faithwire.com. Antifa goes after a group of Christians. They throw flash bombs, mace, rotten eggs at everyone, including 10-month-old children, and police were nowhere to be found. But Christians were. Today is Monday, August 9, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this story and more on today's 4 in 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, is Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com with a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday. Yes. Uh, so on the podcast today, we're going to talk about uh, worker shortages continue uh, and Walmart is giving out bonuses to keep employees from quitting their jobs. Uh, Mike Rose must hear response after being called a liar after his COVID comments on social media. And uh, Fiji men's rugby team, uh, they sang a worship song after <laughs> winning gold at the Olympics and they're going viral for it. So we're going to talk about that. It's a good way to wrap yes. the podcast. Yeah, indeed. As the Olympics wrapped up. Uh, and the U.S. did win, by the way. We actually, yes. you know, despite Simone, you know, kind of dropping out and missing out probably on a couple surefire golds, still uh, managed to inch ahead of China there at the end. So, yeah, um, that's always good. Never want to lose to China. So, um, Never, ever. so, <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's let's dive right on in and go into story number one from Portland, Oregon. And some Christians just uh, wanted to conduct an outdoor prayer and worship event in Portland. They ended up getting attacked with flash bombs, mace, rotten eggs, and other projectiles as Antifa descended on the scene. No police responded during this whole incident. Arter Pawlowski, who you may recall famously chased off of, uh, police off of his church property earlier this year around Easter time when he was denouncing them as Nazis, he was there. Uh, The event was announced last month by a Christian ministry featuring firebrand Canadian preacher Palowski, and uh, Antifa publicly posted about the event. And in a clear act of premeditation, they started tweeting about it and saying, hey, we're going to make this miserable for you. Welcome to Portland. You won't like it here, Pastor, tweeted Antifa member Melissa Lewis from Portland. So the shocking video, which we have on faithwire.com in our article there now, uh, was recorded and it shows dozens of armed Antifa members in black block and riot gear moving in to confront these Christians who were just, there was a handful of them, I mean, maybe a dozen or so, a couple dozen at the most. And they sprayed a congregant with what looked like some mace or a gas-like substance, um, pepper spray possibly. They took several steps back, started to disperse. They were kind of arguing back and forth. You can see in the video saying, what are you guys doing? And they're throwing eggs and doing all this stuff. One of the Antifa members, you could hear them yell out, where's your God now? As they took down the speakers uh, from the sound system that was set up and they threw it out into the river. Uh, But here's one of the Christians who responded uh, to the violence and described what had happened. Can you tell us what happened? Um, So we were about to have a worship event and... uh, so yeah a lot of background noise there but basically she said it was they were ruthless 
There were kids around. They were throwing flashbangs. They didn't care. Ironically, some of the geniuses from Antifa were calling this pastor fascist. (laughs) Now, this is a man whose family fled Germany, the Holocaust, the Gestapo, and they're calling him fascist. And some of the people that were with him tried to point that out. Uh, This guy's a victim of fascism. What are you talking about? What are you attacking us for? And in the extended video, which again is on Faithwire, you get the sense that these Antifa members just don't really understand what they're doing. They're just yelling fascist a lot. And for people who claim to hate fascism, it, it seems odd that they run around town in riot gear while throwing things at people trying to intimidate them with violence. Um, it'd be like a bunch of people claiming to fight racism while running around and white hoods as they burn crosses do they not really see what they're doing they're kind of doing exactly what they're saying they hate forcible suppression of opposition that's a hallmark of fascism but again it would seem like these little basically little punks dressed up as for halloween or something they don't seem to understand that they just seem angry that they're i guess living in mom's basement and found other people who are angry that they're living in mom's basement. I don't know that's speculation, but that's just the sense you get from watching this. Uh, and they also found a city that doesn't really have any police around anymore. So their shenanigans are allowed to carry on. It's really amazing. They're out in the middle of a park. There's people walking around. And they're fully yeah. dressed in riot gear, just throwing stuff at people. And no one does anything. Um, as the as part of the attack, um, they started to like leave. They started to try to just get out of there a little bit so they didn't have to deal with, I mean, they had kids, um, but they hurled concrete chunks and tossed homemade um, caltrops in the street to pop car tires. So Antifa repeatedly, they used those last year to, to disable police vehicles. So in response though, this is pretty cool, Trey, a group of Christians led by Sean Foyt, they showed up in large numbers the very next day the very same spot that the attack happened to have a worship concert. And so there were hundreds of them out there singing. It was great. And Antifa was actually there watching. They didn't end up doing really anything. They didn't try anything. I mean, they were way outnumbered this time, except for there were needles and pills and drugs and blades and marijuana being thrown on the stage. According to Sean, he showed a picture of that on his on his social feed. Um, But so what's the left saying about this story? Well, a progressive reverend put this out there in response to the viral video underneath the uh, viral videos from Andy. No, he said I he quoted Amos 15 uh, Amos 521 here said I hate all your show and pretense the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. This this was under Sean Foyt's worship video. And so what's the right saying? I mean, that that was one leftist response. You have, obviously, yeah. the mainstream media basically ignoring Antifa like they always do. But what's the right saying? Well, first, many countered the verse from Amos. That that pretty much got ratioed, explaining how out of context that was, which is, you know, God's not condemning the practice of worship itself, but the fact that they had turned away from him and were worshiping idols. It was their hearts that had gone astray. It, it wasn't the, the fact of you know, that worship is is somehow bad. So right. you'd, think, you'd think a so-called reverend would understand this simple fact, but apparently he just doesn't care. I'm not sure. So why does it matter, Trey? Well, it matters because people lost are going to do lost things. And presenting the gospel to the people of Portland, especially where Antifa could hear it, that's, that's fantastic because they certainly need it. And it made me think of this story, Trey. I don't know if you've heard this one, but I recently heard this for the first time, and, and it's just amazing, the story of 
John Harper, who was a pastor on the Titanic. And he is, he and his daughter were actually placed in a lifeboat. He had a teenage daughter with him. I think she was 13. But he got out and he got a life vest and he got out and he started swimming around the frigid waters and was preaching the gospel to everyone, like saying, hey, are you saved? And wow. he'd go from person to person. And one one guy rebuffed him and was like, nah, I don't, you know, didn't want to hear it. And so Harper actually takes off his life vest, gives it to the guy and says, here, you need this more than me. <laughs> and um, wow. but that's it made me think of these people in Portland, you know, especially Antifa. They're they're sinking without hope. So I'm glad someone was there to basically throw them a, a life vest. I think some of the irony, too, with this Antifa stuff is that it's a it's always a, a knee knee jerk reaction um, to be opposed to conservatives and certainly to be opposed to Christians. And a lot of times the argument from the left is that, you know, Christians are kind of this this uh, monolithic voting block. Uh, they also have monolithic beliefs and it's they all kind of suffer from group think like they all think the same way uh, they just accept blindly the things of of scripture you know they, it's their their faith isn't able to to stand up to tests whatever um when we see antifa going out and just i mean i mean without any sort of uh thought just like you said they go out and call people fascists <laughs> it's like it seems more to me uh, that this Antifa group is just kind of blindly just bought in. Like everybody <laughs> right. except for us is wrong and we're the only ones that are right. And we don't have to look into to you. We don't have to listen to what you, you have to say. We can just say, well, you don't agree with us. So you're a fascist. You're a fascist, right? <laughs> and right. Then, then God and right. It's like, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like maybe the roles are actually reversed. Uh, certainly there are people of all political ideologies and religious beliefs, whatever, who kind of are blindly believing something without, uh, without thinking about it. But uh, I don't think it's the majority of Christians who are in that boat. I think it would actually be the Antifa people who are probably yeah. uh, in, in that, that boat. So I don't know, just an, an irony that occurs <laughs> to me as you were going through that story. Yeah, indeed. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for those Christians that showed up. And, yeah, um, for sure. and I'm glad everyone was relatively OK. In the article, there's an interview with a boy there who's talking about how he's OK after it. And he seemed in good spirits. So good. so that's all good. So we'll just be praying for the people of Portland because it's just a mess there. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Story number two. So Walmart, the country's largest private employer, uh, they're giving warehouse workers bonuses and pay raises in hopes of wooing them away from quitting their jobs. So the decision comes as Walmart, like many other companies, both big and small, are struggling to keep employees on their payroll in the wake of the pandemic and the enhanced unemployment insurance that many argue is disincentivizing people to show up to work. So about one in eight currently unemployed respondents admitted in a recent morning consult poll that they've turned down job offers because they, quote, receive enough money from unemployment insurance without having to work. Hmm. A morning consult concluded that nearly two million Americans are refusing job offers in order to keep collecting unemployment checks. And the Federal Reserve has also told Congress that the payments from the government are negatively impacting the economy. This is what the Federal Reserve said to lawmakers. With economic activity rebounding, labor demand rose briskly in the spring while the supply of labor struggled to keep up. Employers reported widespread hiring difficulties. Job openings jumped to about 30% above the average level for 2019. And the ratio of job openings to job seekers surged. 
Enhanced unemployment benefits have allowed potential workers to be more selective and reduce the intensity of their job search. So that's kind of, we're seeing that play out. That's what's happening, like I said, with, with Walmart. They're offering, you know, $1,000 bonuses. Uh, they're, you know, also offering in, in, in most of their warehouses across the country, uh, hourly pay raises uh, that are in place at least until January of next year, uh, just to keep people from, uh, from leaving from staying at their job and not just not quitting, but also uh, not going on as much vacation either. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, President Biden somehow has an entirely different view of what's happening in the free market right now. Uh, he said recently he sees the economy roaring back and claims his administration brought the economy back from the brink. Uh, in June, Biden whispered into the microphone during a press conference that any employers struggling to hire workers need to just pay people more money. Uh, describing the checks from the government as people's bargaining chip and getting <laughs> and getting jobs. Uh, so I guess his argument is, hey, you got to pay me more than the government if you want me to come back to work. Uh, so the White House has also rejected any suggestion that the enhanced unemployment checks uh, have discouraged people from working. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, she said this spring that it's not the root cause of why people aren't working. She didn't, though going to give much of a root cause. She just said that wasn't it. Um, so what's the right saying? Well, Republican governors in nearly half the states in the country, at least 21 so far, have turned away Biden's enhanced unemployment checks of $300 per week, uh, which are set to be in place at least until September. So in May, when she rejected it, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds said the checks were helpful when the government forced restrictions, but now that businesses and schools in Iowa have reopened fully, enhanced unemployment checks, quote, discourage people from returning to work. Seems an obvious uh, conclusion there. Uh, Representative Kevin Brady, he's a Republican from Texas, he told the Daily Wire this week that the labor force participation rate is very low, noting it hasn't budged in six months under President Biden, and unless people start returning to work, we're going to continue to see higher prices and slower deliveries, uh, partially because, or largely because, companies are just so uh, so low-staffed right yeah. now. Uh, so why does it matter? Look, Scripture tells us about the importance of working. Uh, in Second Thessalonians 3.10, it says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And that's not to be cruel to those who have legitimate reasons, uh, but it is speaking to the value that God puts, Dan, on us using our time wisely and being good stewards of the opportunities uh, that are presented to us in this life, particularly in, you know, I, I'm, obviously Scripture doesn't speak specifically to the United States, uh, but I'm thinking, you know, we're the land of, of so much opportunity, uh, and there are so many jobs. I mean, literally everywhere I go, uh, there, are, there are companies uh saying we're hiring, we're hiring, and, and, and at more and more money. I mean, I can't think of anybody who's hiring just at minimum wage right, right now. Everybody is several dollars above minimum wage, $10, 12 $13. Uh, so the Bible also says that our work is an act of worship to God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, and in Colossians three twenty three, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. So people, of course, need help, particularly when the government has restricted our access to work, as they did 
for a, a great a great deal of last year. Uh, but it's not good for the government as it's happening right now uh, to be just giving giving this enhanced uh, unemployment as they call it because it ends up discouraging people from working whether that's intentional or not. Uh, at this point, it doesn't matter because like Governor Reynolds in Iowa said, that's what's happening. That's been the result, whether that was the goal or not. Uh, what's happening is is companies are just not able to get people to come back to work. Yeah. Uh, and that's really negatively impacting the economy, which for some reason Biden says is roaring back. I'm not sure where <laughs> the disconnect there is. It's interesting that he used the term that the government is a bargaining chip. That I yeah. don't recall seeing that as a function of the government anywhere, that it's supposed to serve as a bargaining chip for the average American in their quest to gain higher <laughs> salaries around their jobs. I mean, that just seems not like one of the tasks that uh, the government should be engaged in. Yeah, I, I don't remember reading that in the Constitution no. or, or hearing that in my government no. classes. Salary but maybe I missed a day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of people miss that very, very same day <laughs> in uh, United States history class. So, oh, man. Yeah. Hopefully uh, people can start to see that, that that is a cause. I mean, regardless of how much of a degree it's causing that, clearly it's yeah. a factor. I mean, everybody has someone they've talked to that says, well, just makes you can't blame someone for. If the options are right there in front of them, they'll go get either an under the table of the job. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying a lot of people are going to do that. They'll take an under right. the table job while they're getting this unemployment stuff yeah. and they're getting double the money. So, or they can yeah. just sit at home and enjoy time with their family or something while the government's paying them. Now, yeah, I don't like it, but you can understand why people would make that choice if it's available sure. to them. So hopefully they figure that out soon and we can uh, kind of get on a, a path to sanity here because yeah everywhere you go i mean i got a colts order here i ordered a colts jersey for carson wentz i ordered yeah. it back in march march 17th and it just keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed it is now due to come on september 15th oh my god i mean it's like <laughs> six months yeah. for a shirt come on you might get it in time for christmas i, I know i know but uh speaking so. of jobs i know mr dirty jobs himself is the mm -hmm. the subject of story yes number three here. oh yes and <laughs> look the number one rule of facebook club trey is don't pick a fight with mike Rowe. and apparently <laughs> someone over at the bulwark jonathan lass are you familiar with jonathan i'm not really familiar with his no, his I'm work not. but he decided to go full on and criticize Mike Rowe. He blasted him as an anti, anti, anti-vax liar. And it was in response to a post Mike Rowe had done on his popular Facebook page where he answered a question from a fan about why he wasn't more vocal and urging others to get the vaccine. You see a lot of celebrities out there doing that. Rowe was not one of them. Rowe was, however, vaccinated early on, was public about that, and is public about his support for vaccines. So here's what Last said. He said, Rose's response is worth reading in full because it is either an example of despicable dishonesty or breathtaking stupidity. Mike Rose, a lot of things, Trey. Dishonest <laughs> and stupid are definitely not two of them. And so, no. look, Jonathan, bless your heart. This, <laughs> I, let me just give you an anecdote before I break down this back and forth. I think it's not just because of who wins the argument, but I think Mike makes some very interesting points here. But just to give you an idea how smart Mike is, he does that podcast called um, uh, 
that's how I see it, or that's how I heard it. Yeah. And uh, it's a great podcast. Well, when it, in the early infancy of it, I had a chance to write a couple episodes for him, pilot episodes. And then he would take it, and then what you wrote, and then he'd come back with it. And you're just, I mean, you're just reading it, and honestly, you feel dumb. Because you're like, I thought what I wrote was really great. And then he's, he sends it back, and it's just this brilliant masterpiece. <laughs> you're just like, okay, I see where this is going here. Like, you don't need me anymore. So anyway, the guy's a genius. He's very smart. He's very wise in his comments. I've never really seen him be off the rails. Very well thought out. No. So yeah. not a good fight to pick. That's why I say this is not the guy you want to pick a fight with on Facebook. So here's what um, Mike Rowe, his, his opening salvo here. He said, along with despicable dishonesty and breathtaking stupidity, I'd like to offer a few additional options for uh, you readers to consider. How about, quote, a refreshingly honest take on a controversial issue, end quote, or, quote, (laughs) a thoughtful series of observations wrapped in a patina of common sense, or maybe, quote, a brilliant blending of facts and inconvenient truths that leave the skeptical reader with much to consider, end quote. Now, at this point, if I'm Jonathan, I'm not happy because you just know it's only downhill from here. So (laughs) Roe went on to point out that he himself wasn't anti-vax. He said, I was careful to include that early on in my post. You were careful to omit it. Understandable, given your headline, but not very fair, in my opinion. Uh, Roe told his fans he's not a doctor. Uh, Jonathan last said, he said, If Roe doesn't feel comfortable telling others what to do when it comes to public health, that's reasonable. Except that two paragraphs later, he starts asking questions about public health. Now, did you see what Jonathan did there? It's a neat little sleight of hand, but Roe didn't fall for it. He said, not to nitpick, but asking questions about public health is very different than telling others what to do, don't you think? (laughs) Uh, So that's just one example of a slam dunk. In response to Fauci's mask lie... Early on in the pandemic, um, Jonathan criticized Roe for criticizing Fauci. And again, Roe put the hammer down. He said, no, I'm not okay with a noble lie or uh, an ignoble one. Neither are millions of other people who would prefer to hear the truth. Toward that end, I'm not comfortable telling people the vaccines are perfectly safe when the FDA has yet to approve them. As I said, there's risk in everything, and I find it unpersuasive to pretend otherwise. As for the vaccine's efficacy, I could not have been clearer. My exact words on the matter, which you also omitted, were these. And this is very important from Roe. He says, at this point, I am afraid the government has but one course of sensible action. Get the FDA on board, stat, and then provide an honest daily breakdown of just how quickly the virus is spreading among the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. No more threats. No more judgments. No more politics. No more celebrity-driven PSAs. No more ham-fisted attempts at public shaming, just a steady flow of verifiable data that definitively proves that the vast, undeniable, overwhelming majority of people who get this disease are unvaccinated. He He went on to say, I'm just trying to remind people that there's never been a declarative statement about the metrics and circumstances that would allow us return to work, school, and play, and that's a problem. And, I mean, this type of destruction just goes on and on, point after point. It's very long uh, until it just keeps going until Jonathan's arguments lay bloodied, beaten, and lifeless on the Facebook news feed floor for all to see. I mean, it's unfortunate he had to learn his lesson this way, but, and honestly, somehow I don't really think he's going to learn his lesson. But So what's the left saying? Well, the left saying 
you know, we're seeing it fall on party lines, Trey. I mean, we've talked about this ad yeah. nauseum that the left is it's becoming a good. He points this out in the post. It's a good, bad situation. You're good if you're vaccinated, bad if you're not. Um, and then on the right, a lot of people are agreeing with, you know, Roe just kind of being logical on this one. But why does it matter? I mean, it matters because public discourse, I mean, is shattered. And he points this out several times in this back and forth here that there's just no credibility. There's no trust. You've got to explore why are people hesitant. And it's fair to bring that up, not just berate uh, people who are hesitant. And so, but right now, the way we've set it up, we're not allowed to ask these questions. We're not allowed to ask why the goalposts have been moved, which Roe goes through. We've been we're being trained to sort of just accept a certain point of view. And if or if you don't just be punished for it or maligned for it or try to you know be belittled for it. I mean, and I think that's dangerous no matter what the view is. So, you know, we'll we'll keep hitting this one and singing it to the mountaintops, Trey, I guess, to do our little part here to keep America sane and free, I guess. I mean, I don't really know what else you can do. You know, I think at this point, I mean, way beyond this point for months now, it's been like we're uh, operating on two parallel highways uh, and that we don't really listen to one another. We're just both like going as fast down the road as we can (laughs) when it comes to the the political nature of all of this stuff. Uh, Buck Sexton, he tweeted this morning, he said, just assume that the lockdowners and the Fauciites will push for the most extreme, irrational, authoritarian COVID policy that they can get away with. And their every move will be entirely predictable. Yep. <laughs> um, so, he, I mean, he's just pointing out the fact that that none of this is rooted in anything anymore. I think it's just let's see how we can out politic the other yeah. side uh, at this point. And it's just kind of like uh, there are people who have uh, you. You don't have to give them the the information that you know the stats, the data, the science, like like Ro was talking about with with masks, with vaccines, with lockdowns, with any of it, because they've already decided that lockdowns and masks and forced vaccination, all that stuff is the only way to solve this. Yeah. It's become this, yeah. this binary. Uh, and, and I don't really know how we, how we overcome. Like, I don't know how we get the, the two highways that I said are, are going careening down the street. I don't get them. I don't know how we can get them to cross. I think they might yeah. just be stuck. Parallel. Yeah. Yeah, they might be. I mean, and honestly, you see people like Roe speaking out and that's a start. I mean, when people are yeah. unafraid to just and his points are, I feel like are unassailable because he's not even he's not anti-vax. He's not sitting here sure. spreading misinformation. He's pointing out factual things and reasonable uh, objections that people might have. And you're just not even allowed to voice those anymore. That That is just honestly just a, it's like, as I said, it's a dangerous path to go down. And, well, I, and I don't like you said, I don't know what the solution is, but hopefully we find one. And I want to say, too, I mean, obviously, like you said, Dan, Mike had all of the right answers for everything. and kind of just, you know, did away with any sort of pushback. Yeah. But to defend him even further, uh, he's an, an influential person with a big platform. And there are a lot of people, probably of every political persuasion, uh, who pay attention to him. Yeah. Um, and. You know, I wouldn't want to to be the person who's forcing, you know, trying to say, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. And then I don't want it on my conscience that I've got people who maybe shouldn't for a legitimate right. medical reason. Uh, and then because of a post that I put up over and over and over again, they just go ahead and go get it. I mean, he's not he talks. I'm not a doctor. I don't I don't I don't have any knowledge about this any more than 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 any other lay person. I'm just doing what my doctor says or whatever is you know, good medically for me, whatever. Uh, so I completely understand a celebrity or, a you know, a talking head, whoever just saying, you know, 
I, I got the vaccine and I think it's probably a good idea, but I'm not going to browbeat you into getting right. it. I don't yeah. have any more medical yeah. knowledge than, than any other non-medical person does. And yeah. It's just, and he just thinks it's not his role. And I think that's a very fair position, but yet you can't have fair positions today uh, no. without them being assailed. But um, so well, it's just where we we're can at. End the- we can end the podcast yeah. on a very positive yeah, story let's do here. That. So, <laughs> so story number four. Uh, so the Fiji men's rugby team, uh, they stood together to sing a gospel hymn after winning gold on the July uh, on July 28th at the Tokyo Olympic Games. So after their victory, the men on the team who have been away from their friends and families for months uh, training for the Olympics, Fiji's had quite a quite an outbreak of spike in COVID cases. So they really haven't let anybody in the team travel back at all. Uh, they've kept them completely in isolation out of their country and, like I said, away from their families. Uh, so the men stood in a circle after their, their victory and sang a tribute song to their country. The title of the song translates to, We Are Winners Because of This World, and the lyrics include, We Have Overcome by the Blood of the Lamb and the Word of the Lord. So the team, you know, honestly, Dan, they could win a, a gold medal for their singing. Yeah. They sound incredible. I know, they sound like a uh, choir. So, yeah. So listen closely. We're about to play, and the, the second time through the song, they sing it in English. So here's them. I mean, just such a cool. I mean, they're so good. They just sound yeah. incredible. <laughs> I mean, geez. Uh, so this one's obviously not a political story, and uh, no, no, no left or right breakdown here. Uh, but several people on social media shared the clip uh, of the team singing. It's gone super viral on social media, and others have have also commended the the teammates for their faith. One person tweeted, "Rejoice in the Lord always," which is a reference to Philippians four four. Another person said, even the strength to move their legs and hands comes from God. What an awesome moment of witnessing. Uh, and then another Twitter user, user added, glory and praise to witness brothers in Christ, giving glory to mm. our Lord and Savior. So just, a, I mean, a really cool moment. And and like that person said, a really incredible testimony that they used their, yeah. you know, mega platform on the, on the Olympics as the world is watching yeah. to do that. Indeed, and you know, interesting about the Olympics, I didn't watch a ton of it, but there were a lot of great faith stories throughout it. So a lot of Christians standing up, you know, amid the (laughs) the ones who protested America that turned people off. But (laughs) a lot of a lot of great displays of faith there. So that was good to see too. So, all right, that's all the time we have for this episode today. God bless. We'll be back here tomorrow, as always. Head on over to faithwire.com, cbn.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless.